Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, November the 28th. And our top story today is that the man leading the inquiry into the crimes of David Fuller has said if more checks had been in place at a hospital trust in Kent, he could have been stopped sooner. Now, Fuller, as you may recall, abused bodies in mortuaries at the Kent and Sussex and Tunbridge Wells hospitals over a 15-year period. His crimes involved around 100 women and girls aged between 9 and 100. Well, a report into the first phase of the inquiry has been published today and has made 17 recommendations to try and prevent such an atrocity from happening again. Sir Jonathan Michael is chair of that inquiry. Failures of management, of governance, of regulation, failure to follow standard policies and procedures, together with a persistent lack of curiosity all contributed to the creation of an environment where he was able to offend and to do so for 15 years without ever being suspected or caught. This is not solely the story of a rogue electrical supervisor. Fuller's victims and their relatives were repeatedly let down by those at all levels whose responsibility it was to ensure that they were appropriately cared for and protected in the mortuary. Over the years, there were missed opportunities to question Fuller's working practices. He routinely worked beyond his contracted hours, undertaking tasks in the mortuary that were not necessary or which should not have been carried out by someone with his known chronic back problems. This was never properly questioned. There was little regard given to who was accessing the mortuary. Fuller himself entered the mortuary 444 times in a single year, and this went unnoticed and unchecked. Mortuary staff were mostly unsupervised and left to their own devices. They frequently did not follow policies and standard operating procedures. We heard that deceased people were left out of fridges in the post-mortem room, both overnight and during working hours when Fuller was carrying out maintenance tasks. He was not accompanied or supervised by mortuary staff at these times. Fuller sexually abused the deceased in the mortuary on 12 occasions during normal working hours when mortuary staff should have been on duty. On their intermittent assessments, those responsible for the regulation of the mortuary often did not detect these systemic procedural failings. Despite the fact that the mortuary was one of a limited number of designated restricted areas in the hospital, it was in this uncontrolled environment that Fuller was able to offend undetected. Senior management of the trust had been aware of problems with the running of the mortuary from as early as 2008 but there is little evidence that effective action was taken to remedy these issues or that the trust board paid any attention to the mortuary. Requests for CCTV to be installed in the mortuary were not actioned for over a decade. Had his colleagues 
managers and senior leaders been more curious, it is likely that he would have had less opportunity to offend. In December 2021, Fuller was jailed for life for the murders of Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce, who lived in bedsits in Tunbridge Wells in 1987. During a search of his home following his arrest, officers found photos and videos of his offending while working as an electrician in hospitals. He was convicted of those offences at the same time. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a Kent footballer is in a critical condition in hospital after collapsing on the pitch during a match at the weekend. Cameron Beckles was part of the Corinthian squad taking on Larkfield and Newhithe in the Kent Senior Trophy. He was transferred from Maidstone to London for surgery. The club say his condition is stable. The parents of a drug driver who killed a pregnant woman and her elderly dad in Ramsgate has avoided jail after helping to cover up his crime. 31-year-old Nitesh Bisandari mounted the pavement and hit a family with his car in August last year. He's serving a 16-year jail term, but his parents, who helped hide his phone from police and remove drugs from the vehicle, have been let off with a suspended sentence. They'll need to pay £1,800 in court costs. A couple from Lid have been banned from owning pets after they left their dog with a nose injury so severe he had to be put down. Samson, the Yorkshire Terrier, didn't get vet treatment for the infection in time. 43-year-old Jason Woodford and his wife Tony, who's 38, won't be able to keep animals for four years. The pair who live on Laidfort Crescent will also have to do 15 rehab sessions and pay more than £200 each. Now, staff at a school on Sheppey have gone on strike for a second time over safety fears. They're calling for changes to the exclusion policy at the Oasis Academy to deal with violence and abuse from pupils. Where Claire Oosthuizen is a teacher there and joined a picket line last week. She's been telling reporter Cara Simmons why they've walked out. We're on strike because we are in a position where we feel like we can no longer safeguard the teaching and learning within the students in our school. And um, can you give me some of the sort of behaviour that you've had to deal with? It's not just me. One, I know for a fact that this is behaviour that's seen in other schools as well. But as a union rep, I've had to deal with untold complaints from staff, often while I'm trying to teach myself about unsafe conditions going on within the school. So it's things like doors being kicked in as you're trying to teach, students breaking into lessons, uh, causing significant damage around school, uh, intimidating staff, intimidating other students. Um, we've had to deal with incidences of verbal assault, physical assault, sexual assault against staff, and staff have now had enough. And most importantly, we need to protect the environment that our students are learn, learning in. It has to be protected. And unfortunately, despite the trust being told repeatedly over around 18 months that this has been going on, they failed to address these issues. And um, is it sort of repeat offenders? Is it more boys or girls and more of a certain year that is doing it? Or? First thing I want to make clear that the majority of our students are amazing. They are amazing individuals and we love teaching them. But unfortunately there are a core group within school that cause this level of disruption and they are just not being dealt with. And it, like in a lot of schools, trust puts or the trust put in drop down policies 
which don't work. Yet we are always being forced to follow policies, follow policies. And how I liken it is, you wouldn't put a surgeon into an operating theatre and expect them to do a drop-down approach. You have to trust the professionals to be able to use their expertise. And trust me, our te teachers are so highly expertise because of what we have to deal, deal with every day. They have to trust them to be able to know what is good for their students and support them in that, not try to shoehorn them into policies that don't work. The trust is obviously, there's a few changes that are yep. going to happen sort of next year, um, moving into a different trust. Do you think that will help the, the situation? I think this comes as a much wider picture. We have got a percentage of people within the community which do have their own issues, they do have their own problems too, and we need to make sure that the D of E put it's almost like a whole umbrella of support over these families so that teaching can be valued and that teachers and the learning environment can be respected. It is a whole big, bigger picture. But it's about time that the Department of Education saw that staff can't do their jobs as effectively as they want and that they need to actually help. Academy bosses say they've had positive discussions with the NEU as they look to resolve the issue. Another strike is due to happen tomorrow. Kent Online reports. This is one of the most read stories on the website today. A rat infestation has been discovered in a hospital kitchen that serves 1,500 meals to patients each day. Lucy's here with more on this story. So, Lucy, which hospital is it? Well, this is the William Harvey in Ashford. Food hygiene inspectors discovered the road problem when they visited the kitchen which is run by Together Support Solutions, a company owned by East Kent Hospitals Trust. They also found areas were cluttered and some staff training was a year out of date. Because of that they were given a two-star rating which means improvements in food hygiene is necessary. And what have they done to try and solve the rat problem? Well, cameras were installed and pest control visited on a daily basis. Bait and traps were also set up. Inspectors found that bosses had put systems in place to try and minimise the risk of contamination, including moving food to a secure room, putting it into pest-proof containers and ensuring the kitchen is clean and sanitised every morning. And finally, what have the company said? Well, they've given us a statement that says we have already implemented a number of changes to improve the hygiene standards at our restaurant at the William Harvey Hospital. Together Support Solutions takes its obligation to ensure clean and safe environments in its kitchens extremely seriously. They go on to say they're pleased that during a recent Environmental Health Officer visit, the ward-based kitchen were assessed and found to have no concerns with any patient feeding areas. We've also had a statement from the Trust itself. It says they were disappointed by the findings of the inspection in October, but have already implemented a number of changes to improve hygiene standards. Lucy, thank you ever so much. A man in his 20s has been taken to a London hospital after being hit by a car in Tenterden. He suffered serious injuries on Ashford Road on Saturday night and investigators are keen to speak to anyone with CCTV or dashcam footage. A Tunbridge man who stalked a woman he met at a Christian function in Northamptonshire has been prosecuted in court. Jack Moore sent her unwanted letters and gifts and even phoned her workplace to get more information about her. 
The 65-year-old from Pembury Road has been ordered to pay more than £700, do 35 rehab sessions and 120 hours of unpaid work. And 10 people have been arrested as part of a Kent police crackdown on cross-border crime. The charges relate to burglaries, thefts of vehicles, motoring offences and domestic abuse that took place in London and Kent this month. Officers say work to disrupt criminal activity across the borders will continue. Kent Online reports. Next today, and bosses in Kent are supporting campaigners to try and reduce the stigma around domestic abuse. Now, Kent County Council has joined the End Domestic Abuse Initiative, which aims to give people the knowledge and tools they need to reach out for help. Now, it's running in the lead-up to the Christmas period because that is when there is an escalated risk. Akua Agapong is from the local authority. It's really important, I think, at this time of year, um, moving into Christmas, there's a number of things that's going to happen. You know? So a lot of us are going to retreat into our, our safe spaces, but for many people, their safe spaces are not safe. You know, there's a real challenge around the cost of living crisis that we're witnessing and experiencing. And then also, you know, there's so much financial pressure on families at this time of year. Um, so we know that the levels of domestic abuse can raise, particularly when there's, there's, there are these moments of great intensity amongst the family as well. So, and again, we see, you know, post-COVID really poor mental health and well-being amongst the wider population. And all of these things contribute to people's experiences and can exacerbate the, the, the very presence and the existence of domestic abuse within homes. So what we want people to really understand is that despite the fact that we are going into this period, it's really important that you, you know what it looks like, you see it, and then you speak out about it. And if you're a victim or survivor of domestic abuse, just to understand that you're not going to be alone over this really um, challenging period and that services will be available to continue to support you and your families um, at this time of year. Sarah, which isn't her real name, has been sharing her story as part of the campaign. She's been speaking with Gabriel from our colleagues at KMTV. It's an embarrassment to talk about you being in that situation. It's, there's almost like um, there's a stigma attached to domestic abuse where you don't want to voice out, you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to voice to people that you feel like he's almost gaslighting you and manipulating you um, because it shows it comes you feel as if it shows that you have some form of weakness um, and you know I am the least weak person you're ever likely to meet um, with things like that so it was it's, it came as quite a shock to me but are you now glad that you reached out? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I had no choice. He became aggressive. Um, he went for me in public. Um, he um, was sending, you know, nasty texts. It was relentless. It was like a, a absolute um, bombarding me with abuse and nasty things and saying really, commenting on your weight, commenting on how you look, commenting on things that you've said taking sentences that you have said yourself and using them in reverse, which I found quite bizarre. Um, I think that was probably a trigger point for me where I realised what was happening. Um, you could say, you know, you're acting in a very um, argumentative manner for some reason. No, you're acting in a very argumentative manner. It was really quickly reversed and it just escalated from there. Was it the police you went to? Yeah, I phoned the police, um, reported all of the abuse because I was frightened. I was in my house, I was alone, I'm a single parent. I had two children um, and he's threatened to come and 
kick the door down. He's threatening to do damage to me. Um, and when I was out in the streets, he was driving around where we lived, looking for me, um, shouting abuse out of the car um, that he was in, um, stopping in the car and actually getting out of the car and physically going for me. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a traumatic, traumatic event. And you can watch KMTV's report by clicking on their pages of the website. And to access support, you can call Victim Support on 0808 168 911. That's 0808 168 911. Or you can visit domesticabuseservices.org.uk. Kent Online News. Kent farmers are being urged to remain vigilant for blue tongue virus after five cows in the county were diagnosed with it. Now, blue tongue can't be spread to humans and it doesn't affect food safety, but it can be fatal to cows and sheep. It's transmitted by midgey bites and a 10-kilometre control zone has been placed around the affected farms. Charles Hesketh is from the NFU. Well, I think it is a concern because uh, the last time we really saw this was back in 2008, which feels a, a long time ago now, really. Um, the latest round of this, which has uh, crept over, uh, possibly from the Netherlands, is uh, is concerned because at the moment we don't currently have a vaccine, although there is some some discussions happening around looking into that. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly it is a concern for our for our members um, across across the county. Okay, so it came from the Netherlands. How do we think this happened? How do you think the virus was uh, transported to Kent? Well, essentially, it's through what's called midge blooms. So these are the midges which uh, which fly around during the uh, during the slightly warmer weather. And uh, they can actually travel across, across the sea um, during with the winds. Uh, so that's our best guess at how this happened at, uh, at the moment. We know in the in Netherlands in particular, there's very high cases. I think it's about 5,600 or so uh, live cases at the moment over there. Um, so we suspect essentially it was the, uh, the winds we had a, a few weeks ago which and the warmer weather which has helped bring them over. I mean, this week we're looking at some uh, cold or whatever. You know, we're going into the winter period now. Is actually a good thing for some, for Kent farmers. Does that mean that the virus is not going to be able to spread as easily? That's absolutely uh, a good thing. So there's some uh, some midge monitoring, which is uh, is done by a separate um, independent company, and uh, we know that they don't like cold weather. So we've had a, good, a couple of good frosts recently. I know not everyone enjoys uh, waking up and having to de-ice their car, but certainly in the case of bluting, it's only only a good thing really that we're seeing uh, this cold snap at this time at the moment. However, we have had. Um, uh, confirmed cases now that there are um, five in, in the county. I think it, I think if I've um, read it correctly, there are two additional farms now. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Is that does that show that this is spreading around Kent? Well, I think this is within the um, within the 10k control zone. So uh, we're not too surprised because the weather was warm a few weeks ago, and it can take a while for it to be detected. And we know that the testing has only only really been done fairly recently. So we're not we're not too surprised that there are um, are some additional cases. We we did kind of anticipate that, um, but yeah, certainly it is concerning. And I suppose the test will be whether or not there are any cases detected outside of that zone, and that that will perhaps be uh, where we need to look a little bit more closely in terms of things like movement licences and additional control zones and these kind of additional measures. The infected animals will be put down to reduce the risk of transmitting the disease. Council bosses in Ashford have voted to move their offices to save money. They'll be leaving the civic centre, which could be turned into social housing. Their new HQ will be at International House, which is the town's tallest building. There are plans to transform the Theatre Royal in Margate with a new bar, cafe and studios. It's one of the oldest theatres in Britain and originally 
recently opened in 1787. The venue's been closed since April last year and a consultation's underway to find out what people who live nearby think of the refurb plans. And a pub in Gillingham has been named in the Good Beer Guide for the 30th year in a row. The Will Adams on Saxton Street has defied the odds to stay open and have been recognised again by the campaign for real ale. The landlords have thanked local regulars and Jules fans for keeping them afloat. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham will be hoping to bounce back from a disappointing defeat over the weekend when they're back in League 2 action tonight. They lost 3-1 at Tranmere Rovers on Saturday. Well, tonight they take on AFC Wimbledon under the floodlights at Priestfield. Our sports reporter Luke Cordell spoke to Jill's player Connor Mahoney after Saturday's defeat. He says they're focusing on tonight's game. We've got some big uh, big players in there, uh, big characters, you know, so we need to come back in you know, Tuesday for the game and get three points. I think, you know, it's a big test of character for us in that changing room if we want to do anything this season, you know, if you want to get where we think we should be. Um, yeah, it's a big test of character for everyone. Yeah, there's still I know, plenty of games left, um, lots of highs and lows still for the season, uh, but, you know, we'll obviously dwell on this for a little bit and then all mind focused uh, Tuesday against Wimbledon at home and hopefully, you know, we'll get three points. We can't keep doing this, you know, we can't win, lose, win, lose. Uh, we need to kind of take the ball by the horns ourselves, you know, put a run together and then, you know, see where we are coming into the season. Does the belief get knocked a bit after every defeat? Are you, you sort of still well, you positive know, it, in the change But I'm still positive, yeah. Um, I think we'll, you know, we'll sit down and have a discussion together. Um, it's a tough one, you know. Obviously, we won on Saturday. But as Gaffer said, don't get too high when you win. You know, that was a good performance. And obviously today, don't get too low. Um, there's a lot of games left, uh, a lot of football to be played. You know, and we'll just have to see where we are at the end of the season. You're pretty eager just to get back out there on Monday on the training ground and just focus on Tuesday now? Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, thankfully it's at Priestfield. You know, we're going to have good support there as we always do. Um, and, we've, and we've done well there. So, yeah, we need. To, I think we need to give the fans something to... Uh, cheer about and uh, hopefully we'll do that. Kickoff is at 7.45. Don't forget you'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. Plus we'll have reaction to the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning and also longer reaction in tomorrow's podcast. On to cricket and Kent's head coach Matt Walker says Durham will be a big threat in the county championship next year. They were promoted to Division 1 last season and Kent narrowly avoided relegation. Preparations are already underway ahead of the new campaign which starts in April. And a football game has been delayed after firefighters were called to rescue the referee from a toilet. The women's FA Cup match between Chatham Town and AFC Wimbledon on Sunday started half an hour later than planned. The official got stuck in a cubicle just before kickoff. Chatham Town won the game. 5-4. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. Whilst you're on the site today, you can check out a report from our reporter, Ruth Cassidy, who's braved Kent's only nude swimming session. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.